All right, guys, welcome back to Moving the Needle with Jason Redman. I just want to say what an honor it is for those of you that have been on this roller coaster ride. You know, we are the train of positivity out there. We are showing how high high momentum individuals, how elite performers, how artists, athletes, CEOs, entrepreneurs, influencers are getting out there moving the needle in their lives. And I got to tell you, it is relentless optimism. It is relentlessly pushing forward. It is getting off the X. It's learning how to deal with adversity. It's, it's, I mean, I'm just hearing the same thing over and over again from all these incredible people. It is about giving back and it is about never losing sight or focus. And that is how they are moving the needle in their lives. And it has been so much fun. It's been so much fun to interview all these incredible people. And I got to tell you, my guest today is another amazing individual. He is someone that I've got to spend some time with. I would call him a friend. He is a multi-platinum recording artist, and he is one part of a very well-known band. I'm not going to give it away yet. But in addition to his incredible musical career, he is a successful songwriter, musician. He is a rule breaker. He is a community builder, performer. He is a motorcycle rider. And he and I have ridden together before out in Studs of South Dakota. His name, and you will not recognize his name, his name is Kenny Alphen, but he is globally known as one of the partners of the amazing country rock duo, Big and Rich. My guest today is Mr. Big Kenny himself. He is an amazing philanthropist. He is a businessman. But I got to tell you guys, an amazing part of his story is not just what he's achieved, but it's where he came from. So today, we are going to learn how Big Kenny himself moves the needle. Big Kenny, welcome to the Moving the Needle show. What's up, brother? Hello, brother Jason. Everything's everything's just top of the world, man. Top of the world. So happy to be here with you, and uh, looking forward to some conversation, man. Looking forward to some conversation. Yeah, baby, that is what it's about. I mean, in this life, it's communication. It's the people we surround ourselves with. And I got to tell you, I'm fascinated with your story um, because I saw that you grew up on a farm. And I, you know, you probably learned a lot about the work ethic in a small town in Culpeper, Virginia. And I got to tell you, that is not that far from Standardsville, Virginia. That's and, right. uh, and I, when I was in the military, I ran exercises up in Standardsville, Virginia for about two years. And that's actually Monica. where. Uh, no, no, no. In Standardsville, we were running. It wasn't military. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I, w I worked with the sheriff there and we were doing uh, land navigation, evasion and recovery. We went up into the, um, uh, the up into the Blue Ridge Parkway, up into yep. the National Park up there. And yep. I had guys moving down and I actually married the long haired admiral at a bed and breakfast in Standardsville. <laughs> so that's a. Uh Fantastic. My aunt lived in Standardsville, man. And I, yeah, I'm from uh, Culpeper, Virginia, the west side of the, the uh, county, a little uh, little um, bill there known as, as Salem. Um, my father is a farmer. My, my whole family's generations of farmers. Uh, the, the farm has been there in our family since before the Revolutionary War. Um, and um, myself and my siblings have taken care of it to this day. And uh, and uh, trying to keep it all going. And no doubt, I definitely learned, uh, learned work ethic there. I learned a lot of things there, man. I, it's just an amazing way to grow up. Uh, you know, you learn how to 
how to raise your food. You learn how to build your shelter. You learn how to take care of everything because if you don't take care of it, then how's it going to get taken care of? <laughs> uh, you know, it's just just an amazing place to grow up, an amazing way to grow up. And and um, unbelievable that I, I came from there and ended up where I am right now. But I always still feel like I'm there. I still have my home there that I built with my own two hands and, you know, try to get back there as much as I possibly can. I, I love it up there. I still have some friends in Standardville. The uh, sheriff that I was friends with when I worked in the military, he's retired up there. He's got a beautiful house. It's beautiful in the Appalachian. And I, I, uh, my family did not own a farm. Well, they did. They owned a tobacco farm, but the tobacco farm had been shut down in North Carolina. But I got, I got a taste when I was a kid of, uh, of a, a little bit of that life. I mean, there was a lot of clear and brush. There was a lot of work. And our, our garden was not like your normal suburban garden. Our garden was the size of at least an entire football field. And when I was a kid, we were yeah. out there. We were out there, there man. Go. Yeah. Picking the weeds. You so you learn, you learn yeah. a strong worth work ethic working in the sun. So how yeah. did you go from this young kid who grew up in the foothills, you know, at the base of the Appalachian Mountains, uh, to be where you are today. Where did this love of music start, uh, and and how did you start picking up the ability to play instruments? Well, um, my mother, my well, we had a my my father. He he was a, a pretty inspiring character there in, in my hometown. Um, uh, he was. Uh, uh, part of, of building uh, the New Salem Baptist Church was this little local church that I went to. He was he um, he was on a school board the entire time I, I went to uh, public school there in Nashville, on, in Culpeper, Virginia. Uh, he was on the board of the hospital when the Culpeper Memorial Hospital was built. Uh, he served on the board of rural electrification uh, for over forty years. Forty, you know, he he. Uh, Retired from that right before he passed away here a few years back. Um, but needless to say, he was always part of, of being part of the community there. We we built a local uh, fire department right there beside this the um, New Salem Baptist Church. But but this little church there, really, my mom, she decided when I was a little kid that, um, that the church needed to have a, a children's choir. And, and so she was a piano player herself, and uh, she... She started a choir and got me in that this this choir. As a matter of fact, I have a picture here sitting behind the pub. I should pull it out, maybe show it to you. But one of the characters in there is me. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> wow, man. The living history. <laughs> <laughs> that's some real history there. So anyway, that's where I got to, I guess, the first singing. And I was, you know, just a little kid. I was just scared to death, but to to be there and stand up in front of people and sing. But but um I remember standing between my parents there in church. I just loved hearing all the voices. I, I remember from a very young age, I just loved hearing everybody sing together. And so I guess that's kind of really what kind of got me thinking about something like that. But And then I, I played, my mom encouraged me to be in a band when I was in uh, grade school, when I was the age of my my uh, 10-year-old right now, as I started uh, playing in a band. So that was a sax, I was a saxophone player. Oh, no kidding. Um, and that was, that was kind of, you know, something to do there in school. But I was never taught that that music was was something you're going to do as a career. It was like music is something that 
uh, you do because it's you know, just it's it's good to have in in your life. But uh, one thing led to another. You know, I was I was raised up. Dad says, you know, you got to get out there and you got to you got to work. You got to make something. You got to produce something in the world. So, you know, when I got out of out of high school, I was seeing most of the kids that were coming out of college, including my my uh, siblings. You know, it was tough finding jobs and so forth and one thing led to another before i got out of, out of high school i started building i was i built my first house before i got out of out of out of high school next thing you know i got a crew of guys working and and i'm running a bit a building company i was i was you know doing jobs for other people i was i was doing everything from from building barns to houses then the next thing you know i'm i'm building office buildings i'm building everything you can think of i'm 25 years old and i got 50 plus people working for me. And, um, you know, in this little town, I was really getting it. Well, then the next thing you know, in the, the end of the eighties and going into, uh, right around there in 1990s, when that savings and loans, uh, collapse kind of waved across the United States from the West coast to the East coast. And the next thing you know, there in one year and, um, all the banks shut down. I mean, the office of control of currency came through and just shut down everybody. And you know when I started in the building business, interest rates were were eighteen um, percent. I mean, it was crazy. Interest rates are about zero, nothing right I know, now. It's, crazy. it's like that's the one thing we got going for us. But then it was tough, but but I, I made it through it, and I was just kind of determined I could go out there and and make it happen. I mean, my senior year in high school, I, I, was, I was getting out there and building, but I, I you know I started out with a chainsaw. Really, I I think I, I cut and sold five hundred cords of wood that year. You know, it's just whatever I could do. I was just trying to make something just to make my way. But so I, I'd gotten it going and then really the building industry just collapsed. So I went from 50 people to me and one other guy. But I kept <laughs> on building until I just built my way out of whatever I could. And and um, there was a carpenter I was working with me one day. I'll, I'll never forget. I was framing this curved wall and I'm bent over slamming these nails. And I was always singing along to the radio. And and he says to me, stands up and says, Kenny. You know, you sang pretty good. You know, you ought to go to Nashville. I hear they they actually pay people to make music. Down <laughs> and I remember standing up and I, and I, I laid down my twenty two ounce S wing checker face framing hammer and I laid it down on the sauce and said, "You got to be kidding me! People get paid to do that." <laughs> so, <laughs> well, one thing led to another, and and. Uh, you know, I, it's just the encouragement of everyone that was around me. It was just people around me kept going, Kenny, you can sing. You ought to go pursue this. You ought to try it out. That I decided one day I was going to pack up my stuff and, and come to Nashville and, and see if there was something down here for me. And um, I did. I came down here. I, I stayed in the, you know, I, I had, uh, had, had been through, you know, what I've been through up there in Virginia. and. And I, I, I packed up my my house and locked the door. I came down here with, you know, I brought a few tools with me, but uh, but really I brought I had stopped That's on the side of the road road and bought a guitar. I was going to teach myself how to play guitar. And and the two years it was like the year before I actually moved down here to Nashville. You know, I guess the kind of the culmination of it up there was encouragement. I, you know, me and a couple of my carpenter buddies had stopped on the side of the road to get a bite to eat one day and. And I was in this little pub we were in. There was a guy in there playing music, and he's going to take a break. And he says, "Hey, if there's anybody wants to get up and sing a song while I'm on break, you know, love for you to come on up here." And my 
face. You know, they're going, Kenny will do it. Kenny, get up there and sing a song. So I got up and sang a song. And um, I went and sat back down. Then another guy came up, tapped me on the shoulder and says, hey, man, you sing pretty good. You want to be in a band? So I started I started wow. out in a band up there in, in Virginia, actually. I, I played played in a band up there. It was the first time I'd ever been in a, in a band or anything like that. And uh, the the year before, I actually decided I was going to come to Nashville. So then I come to Nashville. I, I lived in a hotel for 30 days and, and um, you know, just going out and seeing all the places where people were making music here. It was just an experience like uh, I'd never seen anything like it in my life. I mean, it was the first time that I'd moved or, or gone anywhere outside of Virginia anyway. I, I, I didn't realize that there were so many creative people in the world, that there were so many people that were so talented with the belief that they could write a song and they could perform a song and that song could become a hit and they could, and could make a difference in so many different ways. I was just so inspired by what I saw when I got here that I just figured I was just going to stay with it and hang in there. And I got to get up every day, just like I was going to work on a, on a job site or on a farm. And uh, I was going to get up and write a song every day. And uh, then I was going to try to, go out and play every night and next thing you know I, I got here the summer of 94 and by that fall I had a band together and I was playing four nights a week and I really I'd get up every day and write a song and I'd then I'd, I'd go out and try to experience it and get on stage and, and um, perform at, at night and and try to come up with enough experiences to write write about again the next day and um, but so I got here in 94, by 95, I'd gotten a writing deal. I, I'd go up and down Music Row. I was knocking on every door of every publishing house there was Music Row saying, hey, will you listen to my songs? Will you listen to my songs? And then I'd go back and knock again the next week. You know, I got another song. Will you listen to this one? And finally, I guess I wore a couple of them out. And, and um, <laughs> next thing you know, I got, got a couple of offers to write. Uh, so that was 95. So I'm, I'm writing there for Paramount Music. It was called Famous Music. It was a Paramount company there, 95 to 98. 98, I, I'd, I'd been, you know, writing, recording, writing, recording, demoing songs. Um, and then, I, you know, I had this band together playing. And in 98, I, I was out playing at the Nashville Extravaganza on a Friday night. And um, Monday morning, I got two phone calls. One of them was from... Uh, Jason Flom in New York City with Lava Atlantic. Another one was from a fellow named uh, Rob Seidenberg with um, Hollywood Records, which is a Disney label in L.A. Um, one of them calls me, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning. Hey, Kenny, this is uh, um, uh, Rob Seidenberg. I heard, I heard you perform on Friday night, and uh, I was really impressed. I was, uh, wondered if I could, if you'd like, you know, to, to talk to us. We'd like to talk to you about a possible possibly a record deal and uh i'm like yeah when do you want to do it he says how about tomorrow we'll fly out here to, to la i'm like okay sounds great i can do that <laughs> then, you know i set that up the next thing you know an hour later i get another phone call it's just nuts i mean it's not i can't imagine something like this happen and it's uh jason flom out in new york hey kenny uh, um uh heard heard you perform uh friday night and uh we'd like to fly you up here and talk to you about a record deal. I was like, okay, when would you like to do it? He says, how about tomorrow? I says, well, I would, but I can't. Another guy just called me an hour early and wants to fly me to <laughs> LA, but I could do it the next day. If you want to fly me from LA to New York. And lo and behold, one of them flies me from one place and the next one flies me to the next. And just beyond belief, really. And anyway, I got my first record deal then. 
Kenny, can we, uh, can I, can I, uh, can I stop? There's so much to unpack here. It's so amazing. Like your story is incredible because a a lot of people I meet, uh, and a lot of people that we've had on the show, they really were, were driven towards their goals and dreams from a very young age. Um, so many of the other guests we've had on, they had this entrepreneurial spirit and, and, and you definitely have this amazing, relentless work ethic, but correct me if I'm wrong, if the market, if the housing market had not, or the, or the banking industry and the building industry had not suddenly come to a grinding halt, you may never have ended up in Nashville. It wasn't even on your radar. Like you like to sing, but that wasn't something that you were entertaining. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. If it hadn't have been for the, the turn that happened in that time, I don't know that there would have been the, the incident that would have driven me to really realize this dream that had been in the back of my head since I was a kid. I love it, man. And it's so awesome because so people sometimes, we, we don't always necessarily believe in ourselves. Sometimes we don't even know our own talents and skills. You know, maybe we haven't really looked deep enough to figure out, hey, man, this is my superpower. And you were on, I wondered if you were going to tell me that that's what you used to do on the farm, that I was always singing, I was always writing songs, but it sounds like it was a little further forward when you were building houses. Yeah, and- I, was a, I was a late bloomer. But when it comes to you know being a, a, a career musician, um, it was something that I always loved to do and always did, but I didn't think it was something that you could make a living out of. No one ever told me to say, Kenny, you know, my mom encouraged me to to make music or to be in a band, but she never said, hey, you know, this could be something that just could be your living. You could end up being a, one of the greatest performers on stage. And it was never that. It was like, this is just something else that you do to make your life more more whole. And uh, and then for my father, I got the work ethic and, you know, let's let's uh, you got to get out there and build something. You got to produce something in your life. So, yes, th- this is. Definitely a, a, an amazing part of my story is that from something that's happened so tragically in my life, one of the greatest things came forth from it. Yeah. You know, if it hadn't have been that great turn of events, if the economy hadn't crashed, you know, if, it, if business just hadn't gone to hell in a handbasket, one sense there, then it would have never been the, the, the opportunity to have the to, to step forward into a whole nother career of my life. And there's so many people, I talk about that so often, man. One, it's never too late. You know, it's never too late. I don't care where you are in your life. It's never too late to take a new direction. And, and so often out of adversity, opportunity comes along yeah. if you're willing to look for it. And I love this. So you have written like literally some, I mean, groundbreaking, like I never knew you had written, you know, help write Amarillo sky. I love that song. So you, when, when you, was it when you got to Nashville or when did you, if you weren't writing as a kid, I mean, that's, it's a, it, it, I'm a writer. I like to write, but, and that's a very unique gift. Not everybody has the ability to write, especially to write uh, songs, the way they need to come together and the thought process to put that emotion behind it. Um, that's a real gift. So for when did that start? When did you realize, Hey, you know, I like putting my emotions on paper and I like recognizing these situations out there and turning them into songs. That's a really powerful thing. When did you realize you had that, that superpower? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great, great question also. Um, well, though, that a uh, couple years before I, I moved to Nashville, when, you know, I just got inspired to stop on the side of the road and get myself a guitar, then I also said, I'm going to learn how to play this and I'm going to learn how to write a song. So I just kind of, I would, you know, every time I had a, a spare chance to, to stop uh, and, and, and work on my music, I would just try to write. And I had written, you know, a, a dozen songs by the time I came to Nashville, just to prove to myself that I could do it. But then when I got to Nashville, man, the floodgates just opened up. It was, you know, so inspiring seeing all the writers here. I mean, you can't go out anywhere in this town and I run into someone who is a writer. I was just so, so moved by them and that it just drove me to go at it with an even greater passion. I decided to to stop doing one thing in my life and to, to just go wholehearted into something else. I mean, I, I just, I just sat my hammer down up there really and went, okay, I'm going to take, you know, I, I got enough on my credit cards that I can live for a year. I'm going to just go at it and I'm going to do whatever I can to learn how to master this. So I just went at it with, with a vengeance and realized that I had this ability in me that just got, you know, it just blossomed and blossomed more and more every day being around, putting myself around so much great talent in this city. I mean, when you're, when you put yourself, if you want to become great at something, then put yourself in a pile of greatness, surround yourself with greatness. When you surround yourself with other people who are great at, at that also, then you, it just raises a bar and raises a bar and raises a bar. And when you go at it with just everything you got, you know, you're going to improve a little bit every day. And when you go at it every day and a little bit every day adds up to a whole lot, then, you know, I just, I found I had this ability that it was really untapped before that point and uh, that I just went at it with everything I had and, and great things came out of it. There, there is no doubt. There's some amazing things. I mean, Amarillo sky, I mean, here for the party yeah. and obviously so many of the songs that you wrote together with, uh, uh, John rich for the big and yeah. rich, uh, yeah. band. That's so, about my dad, man. I mean, Amarillo sky was about what I, I witnessed, you know, as a, as a farmer and as a farmer's son, what I, I witnessed him going through, you know, talking about challenges, being a farmer. I mean, you're not only, you know, up against the price of grain, the, the, the price of cattle, but the weather, I mean, the weather can just take you out in any given year. There's, then a storm can come and, and take you out or not enough rain or, or the price of fuel. I remember when that just went through the roof. I mean, it just, that can take you out. There was so many obstacles. So I definitely, I think I had lived this life that gave me the experiences to write about. And then Nashville kind of opened up my confidence that I could do it. I, I love that. I mean, and, and life is so much about that, how we surround ourselves with the right people and you get in the right environment. You know, if you, you know, there's always going to be naysayers. So get away from them and get around the people that say, hey, you can do this. And that's, I, man, what an awesome story. Uh, I, I, so I got one more question and then we're going to take a break and we're going to roll into part two. This is a fun question because ever since Let's I've rock. met you, ever since I've met you, every, dude, you are a man of the hat. You rock amazing hats uh, in your videos. Uh, I think I got to tell you the uh, the hat from Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy is one of my favorites. But yep. every time I've seen you when we're out in Sturgis, right now in this interview, you're rocking an amazing hat. So I'm just curious, what led you 
Uh, what led you down the path and what makes you pick one of these uh, iconic hats that you like to rock? Well, um, my most iconic hat, that, that top hat that you uh, saw in, in uh, the Sable, Sable Horse video, um, was given to me by Niles Harris uh, in Deadwood, South Dakota. Uh, John and I had gone up there in 2002, been in, you know, had a couple of friends that knew the area and said, y'all going to love this. this. This is a place you need to be and play in our, and our, um, our bartender in this little pub we were playing was wearing that top hat. And I admired it the first night we were there. And the second night he comes and hands it to me. So then from that point, it was like, it was, it was like my, my magic, my magic hat. I mean, yeah. I, I just had to have it. I had to wear it. And, and then, you know, that, that, that fella that gave me that hat turned out to be, um, one of the more inspiring, uh, uh, people I would meet in my life also, because that was Niles Harris who told me the story of the 8th of November, which oh, became another great uh, song. the song written yeah. uh, that, that has, uh, you know, made such a difference in, in so many ways and, and told the story of the 173rd and, and, uh, helped to get the memorial for the 173rd, the airborne built down in Fort Benning, Georgia, um, so I just realized, you know, being a kid, you know, I'd always worn hats on a farm, but I'd never had a, a hat like that top hat that he gave me. And then, you know, one thing just just led to another and it, it kind of, you know, became uh, just something I, I, I didn't feel right if I wasn't wasn't wearing it. Well, so, you you rock yeah. them well, man. I love seeing them. <laughs> I love people who just, you know, embrace, you know, it just becomes a part of who they are. And uh, yeah. I, I just love that about people who know and who I think they a are. Good, good tall hat, you know, kind of, you know, just kind of says that 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 statesman thing. You know, my my oldest son's named Lincoln, and I, I was always admired Lincoln's top hats. You know, it just kind of stood out, and it seemed like he he had something to say that was important, or something to do that was important. And I and you know, I, I just I just just like what it does, you know. I, I, I like agree. Well, you're you're a bigger guy, so you don't need like a super tall stove pot stop stove top <laughs> hat like Lincoln. Although I do, I need like a really tall hat. You know, being a shorter guy. <laughs> so, well, all right. Hey, well, listen. Amen to good hats. Amen to that, man. I love it. Okay. Well, listen, guys. We're gonna take a break, and we are gonna we're gonna uh, roll into the second part of our interview. We're gonna take a quick break. We will be right back. You are on moving the needle with Jason Redman with our amazing our amazing guest, Big Kenny from Big and Rich, talking about his incredible journey from the farmland to the heartland of America, rocking it out in Nashville, crushing it with some hits and so many songs that we love. So uh, we will be right back. Today's show is brought to you by Bubs Naturals, producers of the best collagen protein on the planet. How do I know? Well, I use it myself, and I am super stoked they partnered with us on our Moving the Needle show. Guys, life is about moving the needle, and Bubs is about moving the needle in your life. The reality is we're all slowly dying, and only through working out, good sleep, and good nutrition can we slow that aging process. And if you're like me, You've had a few crashes and collisions along the way. That's why I added Bubs to my morning routine. My JR Overcome Coffee has one scoop of Bubs Collagen and one scoop of Bubs MCT oil to get me going and to take care of my joints like my damaged elbow. As many of you know, in order to move the needle, you've got to be a point man for your life, setting the example, leading, building discipline and structure. 
Glenn Bob Doherty did this in his life. And Bob's Naturals is honoring Glenn. You may recognize his name because Glenn was a former SEAL and he was on the rooftop in Benghazi sacrificing his life. So Bob's is sacrificing by giving 10% of their profits back to charities. So guys, if you want to support a great company and if you want to support yourself, get 20% off your first order when you use promo code POINTMAN20 at bubsnaturals.com. That's 20% off with promo code POINTMAN20 at bubsnaturals.com. All right, guys, our interview with Big Kenny, this is part one. Holy smokes, there's so much to unpack in this interview. Uh, what an amazing guy. I, guys, I got to tell you, I really, I have gotten to spend time with Big Kenny and uh, out in Sturgis. I've ridden motorcycles with him, but to sit down and hear his story, like, I feel like my mind is blown. Um, I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of really amazing people, very wealthy, very successful people. And uh, he is just so down to earth, but his story, there's so many incredible nuggets of power out of his story. I'll just start with the first one. And it's something that I've recognized for a long time. And it's something, you know, if you're young out here, listen to this. Kenny grew up on a farm. And one of the biggest things you will learn on a farm is tremendous work ethic. You will learn how to bust your ass from morning to night. You're out there and you're doing, you're doing manual labor. I mean, you're moving stuff, you're hoeing, you're digging, you're doing things. What that teaches you, though, is how to do hard things, how to get things done. And what that does is it builds a mindset that no matter what you do from that point for, further, Kenny went on into the music industry, but that foundation of doing hard things set the tone for the rest of his life. So guys, I cannot encourage you enough to understand Maybe you haven't lived a hard life. Maybe you've been fortunate to have come from a family that did very well. Maybe you grew up, you didn't play sports. Go do some hard things. Challenge yourself because that is where the overcome mindset is built. And that is why I, I can tell you right now, there is a reason why Big Kenny was successful. It was because of that work ethic he, he, uh, he developed on the farm. You know, the other thing I want to talk about is this interesting dynamic. He was not so many people. I mean, I wanted to be a SEAL from a very young age. I mean, 14, I wanted to be in the military from really young. And then at 14, I decided to want to be a SEAL. And I set that path and I followed it. And Kenny, he grew up singing, but he never once, it never dawned on him that he could have a career in music. So here he is. He's, he's a successful guy. 25 years old, he was running this construction company. 50 employees. Guys, I got to tell you, I've run, uh, uh, I've had, my high point was 11 employees in our nonprofit. I mean, and then, you know, countless, countless dozens of volunteers. It is a lot to manage all these people. That is successful. That is talent. And then all of a sudden in the 90s, savings and loans come forth, they collapse, all the banks shut down, and suddenly Kenny and his livelihood was gone. But here's the thing. So often, I guarantee there were moments he was like, I cannot believe this happened. You know, I busted my butt. I worked on the farm growing up, 18. I start doing construction. I build this great company. And in the blink of an eye, it's suddenly gone. It, it, it's gone. And, and these are these the end moments. These are these life ambushes that come along. But what's so amazing, so often the end moments turn into new beginnings. And for Big Kenny, that's what happened. 
this moment came along where he's like, well, what do I do now? Where do I go? This business is done. And so many of his friends had said to him, you know, Kenny, you're a pretty good singer, man. It was that, it was that pivotal moment that occurred when his buddy's like, dude, you're a good singer. You know, you should think about going to Nashville because they'll actually pay people to be a center and singer. And Kenny was like, what? So if it hadn't been for that hard moment, if it hadn't been for that the end moment, that life ambush that punched Kenny right in the face, he would have never been a singer. He talked about it in the interview. So guys, right now, if you're on the X, 2020 has been a year of X's. If you were on the X and you were down and you were despondent and you're like, it is the end, have hope, man. Have hope. Get up off that X and start driving forward. You may not know the direction you're going, but I tell you what, out of every the end moment, if you are willing, there is a new beginning. And his story is such an amazing testament to that. The other thing for Kenny, he didn't know, he knew he could sing, but he didn't know that was his superpower, man. N not only his ability to sing, but his ability to be a songwriter. I love the fact that just nonchalantly, I don't know if you guys noticed in the interview, he's like, yeah, I drove out to Nashville and I said, I'm going to try this. And at one point I stopped and I bought a guitar and I said, I'm going to teach myself guitar. That's incredible. So here's a guy that's this incredible musician, uh, Nashville country music star. When he went out there, not only did he not have a plan to go into music, he didn't even play the guitar. So you never know when your superpowers are going to be unveiled. And, and so many of us, sometimes we discount the advice that somebody else gives. You may think that you're going to be X, Y, Z, and somebody else comes along and says to you, hey, Jay, you know, I just want to let you know, you, man, you are so good at ABC. And I'm like, well, thanks, man. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm an X, Y, Z guy. I'm not an ABC guy. But if we take a moment to realize, well, you know what? Maybe I am an ABC guy. And that's what Kenny was, dude. It was just incredible. I, I also liked how he talked about, and this comes back to work ethic, and it comes back to making things happen. He got to Nashville. He was trying to make things happen. He talked about, I was writing every day. Every day, I tried to write a song. He said, I'd go out, and I'd experience life, and I'd come back, and I would write it down. I would try to write a song. So many people, guys, are waiting for greatness to come find them. We accept, hey, I have these talents, I'm good at X, Y, Z, I'm good at this or that, and they're waiting for somebody to suddenly come find them. They're sitting on the X like, hey, come find me, I'm great. The reality is you got to get off the X, you got to go out there, you got to push for people to be aware of your talents. I, you know, if any of you guys remember the movie Field of Dreams, you know, if you build it, they will come, that's a lie. That's a great movie, it ain't true though. The reality is, if you build it, if you have the talent, if you have the ability, you got to get out there and show the world you have the ability. And I love that Kenny was like, man, I went down Music Row and I knocked on every door and people started to see through that relentless continued effort. Hey, man, this guy's got something. This guy's got something. So and it was just his entire journey is this up and up and down battle. He would have successes. He would have setbacks, successes and setbacks. So it, it, it's never too late to reinvent yourself. And you never know when opportunity is going to hit you. So you just got to keep grinding, man. He talked about this over and over in the interview. Uh, you just have to keep leaning forward. You never know when that opportunity is going to go along. You never know when that 
that spark is is going to happen in uh in explosives terminology we have a we have a description of sometimes how explosives go off and you can have an explosive that goes off low order meaning it didn't necessarily ignite all the explosives and it actually creates a big mess on the, when you're doing a, a blast and maybe you have c4 or something that doesn't totally go off it's super dangerous but the reality is in life, sometimes you try and do something and it goes low order and you're like, wow, that was a dud. Now we got to clean up this mess. But you got to keep grinding. You got to keep grinding until suddenly it goes high order and it just, man, it just floors everybody around you, that explosion. And they're like, what just happened? We want this person and that's what happened to him. So guys, Kenny talked about one other thing in the beginning of this interview that I love. He said, if you want to be great at something, you've got to surround yourself with greatness. I meet so many people that are like, I'm going to go do this. And they're still hanging out with their regular group of friends who are not doing anything to help them in any way to move in the direction they want to go. If anything, they're pulling them down. Hey, man, why do you want to be a musician? Why do you want to be... Uh, an astronaut? Why do you want to be a, a special forces guy? Whatever it is, you know, don't do that, man. Hang out with us and drink and do whatever. Dude, you have to go after your dreams. If you have a destination, if you have a fire within you, you've got to surround yourself with other people that have that same fire because those fires together grow and burn at an amazing rate. If you don't have any other thing to fuel your fire, eventually it'll burn out. So how do you do that? Well, guys, you look for it. Find a Facebook group. Find a group that you can join. You know, put it out there and say, hey, man, who else is trying to do X, Y, Z? Meet them. Do things with them. Train with them. Learn with them. Find a coach. In this day and age, you know, there's so many coaches out there. I'm a coach that teaches you how to crush your goals. You know, Kenny created the, the, the music mafia. Find others who are moving in the direction you want to go, and that will enable you to start finding that greatness. So, oh man, I, I love this interview. I won't lie. I think this may be my favorite interview for uh, Moving the Needle so far. I mean, much love to everybody else that's been on the show, but I just, I really, really am enjoying this interview. So that's part one. Guys, we will jump into part two and, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to peel it apart. All right. I'll be back in a minute. All right, guys, welcome back to part two of Moving the Needle with Jason Redman. Our amazing guest today is Big Kenny from Big and Rich. And if you guys were not listening, maybe you're coming in late. I don't know what's going on. You need to get on this train because uh, Kenny's journey is amazing. I, I want to get into, you're starting to get into the higher points of your career, but I know I read about, there was a little bit of a stall point, a little bit of stall point. Here you were, you were riding this high, they were talking about this record deal, and then suddenly it, it seemed to be delayed, and, and for a little bit of time, uh, was there a period of time in this process where, did you ever start to question yourself, you know? You had everybody <laughs> come out of the gates, and they were like, yeah, you're the man, we want to sign your record deal, and then suddenly it's delayed, it's delayed. How did you deal with that adversity and how did you stay that course? Wow. <clears throat> Another great question. So I got here in 1994. And uh, as you might know, it was actually 2004 when uh, John and I came out with Horse of a Different Color, which was actually, that's, that's when my career actually took off. So in 95, I'd gotten a writing deal, which 
you know, I, I was able to sustain myself. I started getting some songs written. I was able to pay my, my rent. Um, and then in 98, I, I got that first record deal, which, you know, that was, you'd, you'd think it would be a big launch, but it didn't, it didn't work out. I didn't have my whole team around me. I didn't have managers. I didn't have agents. I didn't have everything. And then it ended up being a deal on the West coast. And here I was in Nashville. It just didn't, I didn't have the whole team to make it work, but it was definitely a, a positive, positive step in my career. But in 98, 99, I had a, a song come out, but didn't, didn't have a, didn't have a hit out of it. And I got let go from my record deal. So in the midst of that, though, I put together this amazing band and I just said, hey, I'm going to keep writing songs and keep making music. And then it was right around the time that John and I met up, got introduced and we were writing songs all through the early 2000s. And in 2001, two, we were doing uh, the music mafias. You know, we started that, that group of just everybody like us, you know, just people who were, you know, they writing songs but didn't necessarily fit into any specific genre but they just love music we just figured the people who were great making music we ought to at least get together every tuesday night and, and make some music together and so we started doing that and one thing led to another in 2002 um you know from the songs we were writing uh, we got invited to come in on a uh, a wednesday morning which happened to be after a late night music mafia on a tuesday night to Paul Worley's office there in the uh, uh, Warner uh, Brothers. He had just taken over the the head of the NR there and uh, wanted us to come in and play him some songs. We we're thinking we we're playing some songs for one of his artists that he was producing. And lo and behold, after we played three, four songs, he stood up and slapped his hand on his desk and said, "I want to do this." We said, "You want to do what?" Says, "I want <laughs> you guys to be the first act that I sign here, in my new position here at Warner Brothers." So that was. 2002, 2003, we, um, we, uh, you know, got the first record together and actually came out in 2004. We, uh, you know, did that tour with, um, Tim McGraw that year. And, you know, it was all just happenstance, you know, one thing that led to another, but, you know, if we hadn't put ourselves in one situation, then the next situation would have never come about. I mean, it's just insane. Actually, this, the whole story is just insane. So in, in the midst of that, I'm going to back up here just a little bit. But, you know, in 2002, you know, having been through, you know, having a writing deal, having my first record deal, but the record deal not working out. You know, it was actually 2002, though. I I'd, I'd finally had got a manager then. It was Mark Oswald. He invited me to come out to um, Vegas that that uh, New Year's um, to um he was producing uh, the first show as a pay-per-view for the first show of the Alabama farewell tour. It says, Hey man, you get a, a plane ticket out here. I got your room. You can stay in. And um, so uh, I, I got one of them Southwest airlines plane tickets is about $39. And I had a couple hundred bucks on a, on a credit card. And that was about it. All I had to my name, I was in between record deals. That's another way of saying broke in Nashville terms. <laughs> and, uh, but I made it out there and that was a New Year's Eve and I went, got to go see the show. It was all it was awesome, man. I had a great time. Got to go to the the um, the New Year's party they, they had and see all the greatness going on there in Vegas. But it was about two o'clock in the morning. I'm thinking, you know, I got to I got to get back to Nashville and I'm going to have to pay my bills. It's going to be the first of the month. And I had, you know, went out there with a couple hundred bucks and, and just 
you know, you can pretty much blow that just trying to eat, have something to eat, you know, three meals a day in Vegas. So, you know, I had a hundred bucks left. I decided if I was going to be coming back to Nashville, the, what I was going to have to do is go down to do what any of us would do and hit a blackjack table and see if I could turn that into enough to pay my bills when I got back here. <laughs> so, so I went down to a blackjack table and, and, uh, I, I started working that, that hand pretty good, man. And I got that hundred bucks up to about $800. And, uh, I remember it being about 5 a.m. in the morning. Then I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I can just double this one more time, then that, that'll do it. You know, yeah. that, that will do it. I'd won 10 hands in a row. So I was feeling pretty confident in myself. And so I'd said, Hey man, I, I got to get up and get my stuff packed up. It's now or never. And I, I pushed it all out there. And I'd been playing pretty conservative at that point, but at this point I figured I was at that place where this was it. I was feeling good. I was going to do it. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, that hand, the dealer deals around. And the uh, next thing you know, she flips over all the cards, flips over her card, and she got a blackjack. Mm. And I didn't have a blackjack. So what I did have was a $20 chip and a $1 chip. I handed her the $20 chip I had left. I said, thank you. for You've been a great dealer. This has been a blast. And I had, took that $1 chip and I pushed myself away from the table. I said, I'm going to keep this because I might need a little something to start over with. I went up to my hotel room sat down on the edge of my bed there about five six a.m in the morning i went to pull my boots off and as i pulled my boot off i grabbed it by the heel the heel come right off the bottom of my boot oh wow i laid back on the bed and i looked straight up and i said what next lord <laughs> and within the next 30 minutes i wrote i'm down to my last dollar i've walked right through my shoes a friendly small reminder of all the hell that i've gone through but look at me still smiling because i'm wondering what i'll do but since i ain't got nothing i got nothing to lose one, two, it. three, like a bird I sing, because you've given me the most beautiful set of wings. And I'm so glad you're all here today, because tomorrow I might have to go and fly away. Wow. Well, next thing you know, that's 2002. I come back home, and I got this song in my head, and I'm, I'm singing it. It becomes another one of the songs I wanted, I loved and would play out every Tuesday night at the Mafias and stuff. And then 2004, we get to go out with uh, Tim McGraw, and and then that year, we come in, and I finally paid off my credit cards again and uh, got to go in the studio and record some of these songs that I'd had. And one of the songs that I recorded was uh, that one called Last Dollar. And it just so happened that Tim McGraw was in the same studio that I was working at the time, and he heard the song and asked me if he could record it. That was 2004. Well, I'm like, well, who am I to tell you? you can't <laughs> yeah, you're Tim song. McGraw. Absolutely. How do I say no? Stories. I mean, <laughs> record it. Well, so he records the song, and then his label tells him he can't put the record out they had out, but but he kept it and, and uh, kept the record. And finally, in 2007, he puts that record out. So talking about believing and hanging in there for a long time, and he puts that record out, and that was the first song off that record that he put out, and it became a number one song. So at the point where here I was, you know, once again in this place where I was in one of my lowest points in, in my life. Uh, you know, I, I, was, I was broke again, really, and just trying to figure out, you know, what is my next step? What is the next thing that I'm going to do? I, I end up writing this song in the midst of that, that ends up getting recorded by this huge platinum act. Uh, and artist becoming a number one. And becoming a number one song. Um, 
but the, you know, to imagine the time that's passing by between these events, you know, as we sit here and we, we tell those stories, you know, there's these are years that are clipping by, but you know, you just never lose belief in the things that you know are, are great and can make a difference and you just stay with it and, and keep it out there. And next thing you know, it becomes a hit. You know, and that, that, that was my first, that was a number one holy written song that, you know, even during that time, I, I didn't even have a publishing deal again. You know, I'd gone from having a publishing deal when I first moved to town to being in between even publishing deals, you know, no, I, 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 but it turned out being one of the greatest things because when I got that, and that song became number one, you know, the first check I got from it, I, um, I, uh, I got a school built for girls got got a bunch of girls bought out of slavery in a foreign country i got girls ladies pulled off the streets here in nashville and been living in in turmoil and and kids pulled off the streets here in this this country they've been living in, in yeah, turmoil. You, so i just felt like it was something that hey this this great thing had happened to me because of a great belief of, you know being at my lowest points and, and having this now let's see what we can do with it that's so amazing. And I think people need to recognize that. So many people focus on the negativity. They focus on the darkness. And and look at you, man, at, at that dark point, light came out of that darkness. And and, yeah. and and the amount of light you were able to shine on other people later out of that darkness is so powerful. So it was about that time um, that obviously you and John Rich had been working together that led to Big and Rich themselves. And and and, you know, you guys came out of the gates with a massive success in 2004 and just carried that momentum forward. And you know what I love about you guys, and you've talked about it a lot throughout this, your conviction in your beliefs, your conviction in who you are, your conviction in, hey, man, I identify with these hats. It's part of my superpower. It's part of who I am. And there's so much power in that. And so many people, I think, get lost in who they are and they're, they're chasing it. They're like, well, if I'm not successful in this area, then maybe I need to change. And I've heard, you know, I'm, I don't come from the entertainment industry, but I hear in the entertainment industry, you get a lot of pressure to um, change if they don't feel like what you're doing is working. You know, I've heard that a lot. And you guys, I love it, have bucked the traditional country path, you know, with the music mafia, with what you guys put together. I, I, I don't know. I mean, today there's probably a few more out there, but back in early 2000, you know, um, bringing a DJ onto the set and this country rock mix, I know you guys got a lot of pushback on it. Um, but you guys stayed in your belief and you ignored the negativity and were putting out all these hits. How did you travel through that? And how did you and John stay united on your path forward through that and say, Hey man, we believe in who we are and what we have to present. Well, that was a, you know, a very unique and inspiring time there in the, in the early two thousands and the whole era of the beginning of the, the music mafia and that, you know, we, we really did. We just believed in, our, in ourselves and, and just had this kind of um, feeling that, hey, if we're playing music in front of people and this audience is enjoying it and we're getting great feedback from them and it's something that's authentic to us, then well, this is what we got to do no matter what. And we're just going to, by God, make our own stages. By God, find our own way to do it if it doesn't fit in what everybody thinks is the necessary you know, the path that's supposed to fit in, we're just going to keep on doing it. 
And I think um, just that belief and, and staying with that is what wholly just brought it around to, well, I guess sooner or later, times just come around to where you are. And <laughs> that, that's definitely what happened for us. Because um, what we did and, and what the Music Mafia did, it definitely knocked down some major doors uh, here in Music City uh, to where there's artists out there today that I've, I've heard them say in their interviews, you know, if it hadn't have been for what Big and Rich did and what the Music Mafia did, then they wouldn't be here. So, Amen. you know, we just, just kind of were doing what was authentic to us at the time and, and having fun doing it and, uh, and just doing it with a, um, with a passion, you know, it just, we just, we just loved it. We believed in it. It was, it was just so fun getting together with our, our friends who are, you know, of a, of a like mindset every week and just, just doing what we were passionate about. And I guess you do anything enough like that. And sooner or later it becomes good enough that, you know, it, it, it earns an audience. And next thing you know, that audience, you know, from those mafias, we started upstairs at the little place called the pub of love, which is the, you know, the sign from there here, uh, you know, this, this place could hold the, the, the upstairs room. And there was maybe 20 by 20, you know, the first week there was a dozen, it was, it was, Three, four of us, you know, the, the Godfathers of the Mafia, John, John, Corey, and myself. And then, uh, you know, it was a, a dozen of our friends. And then the next week, it was like, it was us, the four of us, and then 24 of our friends. And, it, you know, within a few months, they had, we had to knock out the wall in the back of that room so that we could have more room. And then by the end of that year, we had to leave the windows open because there was people hanging out on the, on the fire staircase outside to, to hear it. It just kind of, organically grew it just happened because it was supposed to happen um so yeah man i think a, a lot of things that have happened in my life has just been because you know uh, authentically i was just doing my passion every day just trying to be the best of what i could be with whatever i had to work with at the time and then lo and behold something positive would, would come out of that because i just never gave up Man, oh my gosh, I can't wait to, in between these interviews, uh, afterwards I go back and I, I break down some of the different topics that the guests talk on. And, and I got to tell you, uh, Kenny, there is so many amazing pieces of information, belief, passion, authenticity, this relentless drive. I mean, there's just so much, there's so many amazing things. I, I'm excited to get into that. I, I, I want to take a, um, I, I want to take Two two things. The first thing I want to talk about is uh, before I get into how amazing you are in giving back to so many people, um, I want to talk about something I call the pyramid of change. And with the pyramid of change is our ability to relentlessly keep pushing ourselves. Um, some people will achieve a level of success and they will just accept the status quo. They will just say, hey, I'm happy with where I am. But what I've come to find is that elite performers it's not that they're unhappy. It's not that they're like, they, they want more. They're just driven. They're driven to do more. Um, the creative juices inside them, their ability to help. And, and they will constantly get up outside of their comfort zone to try new things because that's just what drives them. That's what drives elite performers. That's what it means to move the needle. But if we're not careful, we can move out of that area into the zone of burnout. We can, we can be pushing so hard, we will burn ourselves out. How do you 
balance yourself so that you don't get that burnout, but you actually still have the ability to be creative, to do those amazingly productive things and move the needle in your life? Well, um, I think that's something you have to go out uh, with a vengeance and a passion also, because, you know, I've definitely hit times in my life where, you know, I, I, I sat there, you know, just face in my hands going, what do I do next? What do I do now? And it's easy for me to talk about these times again, as we've been skipping across years, you know, and you think about, you know, writing a song in 2002 and it becoming a hit five years later in 2007, that's a lot of time to pass by. But I guess, you know, it's just a kind of an innate thing that my, my father instilled in me. It was just, you know, you get up every day and feed the cows. You get up every day and make the hay. You get up every day and do what has to be done. And, and some days you, it might be a drudge to get through it, but you just go through it. And then the accumulation of everything over time, you know, creates things and, and builds things and things grow up. And, you know, you have a family and your kids become teenagers as ours are now i mean and all of those things create different sorts of balances um and, and teach you different sorts of lessons and new lessons but i think that the number one thing is just it's always just been one foot in front of the other no matter what you know I, it definitely going to be tough times and hard times and times like you just don't know how you're going to get through them i mean this year stone challenges at me like as we were speaking earlier, like, I, I just couldn't imagine. I mean, how is this, that this is happening? And in the, the midst of so many people that need so many things, I, I'm at my least ability to help them because you can't go out and do anything. You can't yeah. do the things that, you know, so easy for us to do, you know, just a, a year prior. Um, uh, so, you know, the, the challenges are just totally different than, than what they'd ever been. But the one thing that I can say is just, just get up every day and put one foot in front of the other, man, and just keep trying and just do what you can and, 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 you know, have a conversation. I, I'm, I'm learning from this also, you know, I learned from this conversation, just like, you know, hopefully others will, or, or, you know, I'm inspired by you. Like you're inspired by me. It's the, the people around me that have encouraged me, the, the, the stories that I've, I've read or, or, you know, learned or heard about that encouraged me. I mean, every day you can, you can read a story, you can read a book, you can, you can try to try something else or try something new. There's just always some way. I, I know that it's just through my hardest times, it's really just been, well, just get up. If all you can do today is just get up and just get up. Get off you know, that X. You can get up. And, if you can get up and take a step forward, then get up and take a step forward. But you just got to, keep moving in in a forward direction that's that's it you know i've i've been blessed to always um you know i i, I one of my favorite t-shirts it just says the future is bright because i'm of a firm belief that just from my my belief system the way i was raised is just that you know we we can believe in that every tomorrow can be a little better than whatever yesterday was or whatever today is that the future can be right be bright that there's just a there's a, a great ability in just having a belief system like that that no matter what we're challenged with that that, that we if, if we at least believe we can get there and sometimes that's really hard to do it's yeah. really really hard to do i mean it is really freaking hard to do 
Probably but times you, like today, you know? Yeah. 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 But times you, like you, today, times like this. Yeah. You've been there. Yeah. Hey, by God, you had that belief system. You know, I, I was inspired by you. I've been inspired by your stories. Been people like, like like yourself that have have given me those those inspirations that I needed at just the right time. Man. So I think a, a lot of it is just you know the great gift of of life and that the great creator has a way of putting just the right thing in front of you at the right time. He's had this this great way of putting just the right thing in front of me at just the right times in my life. But you know when I'm was. You know, just looking around me going, what next? What next, Lord? And I lay back on a bed and I'm down to my last dollar. Walk right through this. Jesus. But you took, you know, and you took some of those times and, and, and this is, we touched on this a little bit earlier and I want to highlight this for people because it is also a common theme that I see in elite performers that they, they always look for ways to give back. And, and you did that. You have been to Darfur, and you've been to Haiti, and you've supported a ton of causes and op- and and organizations for underprivileged communities for the women you talked about in Nashville. That is, there's power in that. JP talked about that. That if you're willing to give of yourself, it almost always comes back to you tenfold. And you're a shining example of that. What led you to go to some of these different areas of the world? What led you to want to give back to, um, you know, uh, the underprivileged communities around you? Man, uh, well, uh, I guess it kind of started out in, in my childhood too, because I was, I was raised like that. You know, my dad was always about that. You know, you can help out in your community, you help out. Um, you know, we built our volunteer fire department there, um, in, in New Salem. You know, I, I remember driving across the fields of the farm because I could get, I was just across the road from it was about right next to where the church was, where we built that, that fire department. I was a volunteer fireman a trained fireman when I was 15 years old. So, you know, first time I ever nice. went to a building and pulled a lady out of that, out of a fire, you know, I just that feeling of, I can't believe, you know, this is, is there's something powerful about being able to help people. And, yes. you know, that's just kind of always been a, a cornerstone of my life. But then, you know, it kind of hit me with like tons of bricks when I actually had something, you know, when my, when my career took off, when I had some successes and all these, other things got shown to me that I didn't really, you know, uh, you know, coming from a small town, I knew we, we kind of, everybody helped out in the community, but you didn't realize some of the catastrophes that happened in the world. Kind of like, I bet you didn't realize some of the catastrophes that happened in the world until you went into the service. You know, you, your eyes get opened up in a big, big way. You, you get, you get made aware of a lot of things that you don't realize that exist, you know, being a, you know, a farm boy from Virginia, maybe I just wasn't exposed to the world that I got exposed to, you know, once I, I moved here and then saw the things that I, that I saw. And then, you know, just my heart was kind of the essence that, well, if I know this is happening, I got to do something, you know, I got to at least try because, you know, if I don't do something to give them hope, then, then who's gonna, you know, or, or I have the ability to, and if I don't, then I'm, that's, that's not God's way. That's not the way I was, was raised. I've got to at least try with, with whatever I've got. And, and I've always said that, you know, <clears throat> I helped my, my fifth grade teacher down there in a, in a, uh, outside of Tampa right now, we're feeding over a thousand kids down there in a backpack program called Operation Heartfelt. Well, hell, I didn't realize there was so many kids around our communities right here in this country that go to school hungry or, 
or, you know, or in this case, like a year like this, they ain't even going to school. They, they didn't not even, you know, having a chance for the teachers to see that they're, they're hungry, you know, and some of the situations that they're in and their parents ain't working because of whatever reason beyond any of their control, but especially beyond these children's control. And somebody's got to, just got to try to help however you can. And so it was the same thing for me when I realized that, that all these, these girls, you know, have been pulled from their communities, you know, in these farm regions over there in a country halfway around the world, which was the middle of Sudan at that time there in the, you know, the mid 2000s that was brought, brought to, to my awareness. And, and I just couldn't believe how horrific this was, how, how horrific these, 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 little farm communities that these these bad guys would come into their villages at night and just rape pillage and burn and and take them away from their their families and they would be in, in, enslaved and just the most horrific things that you could ever imagine and I had some people make me just very aware of what was going down and I saw things that I just couldn't live with myself if I didn't try to bring some awareness to it and I, you know, and at that point in time, there was these these um, minister ladies up there in uh, Boston that, you know, were, were trying to, you know, lead an effort to go in and at least get some of these girls brought back out of slavery and reunited with their families. And I just at that point in time in my life, it was the most horrific thing that I had ever bear witness to happening in this world. And I said, well, by God, I, I got some ability to do something and I'm going to try to do whatever I can with whatever I got to work with at this time. And we did. And we got them, um, um, you know, a, a lot of them reunited in their, in, with their families, with what was left of the families in the villages and, and got them the opportunity to go to school for the first time that girls had ever had an opportunity to go to school in their, in their villages, in their country. And I have to believe that that planted seeds of hope that are going to create the positivity that will happen in generations in that area, in that country to this day. And that my children and our future children will be over there one day shaking hands and going, oh, your daddy is a big kid. with your granddaddy. Yeah, he, he helped my kids over here. Y'all come over. Y'all are friends. And we'll be friends and shaking hands with each other and, and having food together with each other instead of pointing guns at each other. You know, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a, a you know, a, a great countryman. I'm a, I'm a great believer in, in the power of America and what our country is, is all about. And one of the things that I believe it, it is about is that, you know, we, we as, as much as we have to, you know, sometimes have a stick out there to, to say you, you do not treat us disrespectfully in any way, shape or form, is you also have to have a hand out there that is going, I'm here to help. I'm here to be your friend. I'm, I'm here to, to, to give and encourage and, and make your future and your children's future as positive as it can be also. I believe that no matter what, any way you look at it in this, this big world that we're all in it together, man, that it is really a little itty bitty place. This is really a little itty bitty place. We're all so connected. You know, when you think about just this past, you know, week, you know, every time I think of 9-11, it makes us realize how you know, interconnected, this crazy world is, how, how small it can be. And I just believe that we have to reach hands out there of, of compassion and positivity as greatly as, you know, we have to do anything else. So, you know, I, it's just, a, I guess, a big part of, of just what my heart 
says to me, well, how my heart controls me. You know, it's that that passion, a lot of that passion that's in me. It just comes from the heart, man. The heart is the big light. That's the big power engine that's in us all that yeah. makes us want to get up every day and try anything anyway. You know, it's well, the thing you... that moves me. It's the thing that makes me have a feelings of, of being inspired by by the other people that I see doing those types of things in the world and, and how you, you just got to want to help and do what you can when you can with whatever you got to work with. Well, that's amazing. Amen. Amen. (laughs) I love it, man. Man. Yeah. I mean, you're speaking my language, the power of America, the power of giving back. Um, You're absolutely right. There are some bad people in the world, but I definitely believe that there's a few bad people in the world and the rest, they just want to live a great life. They just want to be protected. They just want to be able to raise their families. They want to have, you know, a vocation and they want to be able to spend time with friends. And I love that you were able to give back and make a difference. Um, And I know, I know you will continue to do it, man. It is, you are truly the epitome of a needle mover of someone that's moved the needle in your life. You've given back and helped out. All right, we're going to wrap up. I want if, all right, here's our big question. Here's our big question. We're teeing it up. If you could summarize Big Kenny in one word, what would that word be? I'm going to say heart. Yes. I love it. Heart. And you got, and you got a huge one, man. You got a huge one. and, And you have shown time and time again throughout your life. Um, just this absolutely big, tremendous heart. I mean, from the mere fact that you never, you weren't pursuing this dream of a country music star in Nashville and, you know, but it was just your heart and your passion and your giving nature that people are like, Kenny, you could sing, man. You should actually think about doing this to, to where you are today, to number one songs you've wrote, to making a difference in, in young girls' lives who were terrorized and ripped from their families. Brother, I got to tell you, it is an honor to know you, um, to call you a friend. I cannot wait till we get to ride together again. You know, you, you, you truly are a light in the darkness and that's what people need. You truly are someone that has moved the needle. So I want to say thank Feelings you. Feelings mutual, brother. Feelings yeah. mutual. And, and thank, thank you for having me here on moving the needle. And, uh, absolute honor to be here and get to chat with you, brother. Peace, love, and happy hour to everyone. Amen and, uh, to that, brother. All right. Keep crushing it. I will see you in the future. Guys, thanks again for coming on to Moving the Needle. Big Kenny, go check him out. Uh, He's out there doing amazing things. Go listen to some of that music. It's going to put a smile on your face. It's going to put some warmness in your heart, and it's going to move the needle in your lives. All right, what's up, everybody? Moving the Needle with Jason Redman with my amazing guest, Big Kenny, and we are now peeling apart part two. Guys, I won't lie. This, hands down, so far is my favorite interview. I said it before. I reiterate it. I just love Kenny's story, guys. It is a story of life. It is a story of a journey. It is a story of success and failure and grinding and pushing yourself forward despite other people saying you can't do it, despite even your own doubts. Man, it's so awesome. I, I love this. And guys, I wanna, I'm, I'm going to kick things off with this very first part that we talked about, and it was... It, it was Kenny's story. It was a stall point. So here he is. He got to Nashville. He got a he got a writing deal. He started making money, and then he um, 
he, he was doing it. He even got a record deal. He put out a hit, and all of a sudden, man, this new song, it just didn't go. And he was let go from his record deal. So he's out there. He's just trying to keep grinding, and, and he's having doubts. He's wondering, man, it, man, am I doing the right thing? I got to keep moving forward. But we all have doubts, guys. We all have these stall points. So often on our journey, we get mired down in the darkness, in the adversity, and we start to question ourselves because that darkness is oppressive. That storm, man, it's bearing down on us. And we're like, I don't know, man, maybe I'm totally off course. And this is where people think about quitting. This is where people think about, I want to get out of here. It's uncomfortable. It's too dark. The winds are too high. The storm is too great. But that's when you got to put your head down, man. You got to put your head down. And I love this where Kenny, Kenny was like, hey, I, you know, I don't know what to do from here. And he got invited out to Las Vegas uh, with another mutual friend of ours, uh, Mark Olson. And, uh, uh, you know, big shout out to him because uh, he helps manage Big and Rich. But he invited Kenny out to Vegas. Kenny's trying to reinvent himself, find himself, and he is totally broke. So it would have been so easy for Kenny to say, you know what, man, I just, I don't have the money. And uh, Mark said, Kenny, come on out, man. I'll put you up. So Kenny scrambled up the last bit of dollars. He talked about it was a couple hundred dollars. And he goes to Las Vegas. He meets people. You know, he's having a good time. But then he starts thinking to himself, you know, it's, it's New Year's. And they ring in the New Year's at this big party. He's thinking to himself, holy smokes, man, I got to go back to Nashville and I got to pay the bills in January and I got no money. So what does he do? He sits down at the blackjack table and starts putting his last hundred dollars on blackjack. And he starts playing, man. And he's playing through the night and he grows it to almost a thousand dollars. And he makes the cardinal sin of all gamblers. He says, man, I'm going to try and double my money one more time. Dude, the gods of Las Vegas were cheering right then. I guarantee it. And he pushed it all out there. And what happened? He lost it all. And he got up. And, and, and this is such a testament to the spirit of who Big Kenny is, the positivity. He had $21 left when that occurred. He had a $20 chip and a $1 chip. He handed his $20 chip to the dealer, and he thanked her. And then he took his $1 chip, and he said, you know, uh, He said, I may need this, something to start over with. And he went upstairs and he walked into his room. And I think that overwhelming moment, once again, a the end moment. He was like, where do I go from here? I got $1. That is it. And he laid back on the bed as that overwhelming feeling of how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to get home? What am I going to do with this? And he, he sits up and goes to pull his boot off and he peels and he pulls the heel right off his boot. And uh, as a connoisseur of cowboy boots, I got to tell you, I mean, I empathize with this story. I mean, it's bad enough that things are going south, but then, you know, you peel the, you pull the heel off your boot and he laughs and he lays back and he's like, what, what's next, Lord? I'm still smiling. I'm still smiling. And he wrote that song. He wrote the song, Fly Away. He started playing it. He's playing in a studio after he gets back to Nashville the man himself, Tim McGraw's in there, and Tim McGraw says, "Oh my God, I love that song." Tim, McC- Tim McGraw recorded it. It went on to become a number one smash hit. Guys, 
That is the power of perseverance. That is the power of driving forward, no matter how dark and scary that storm is. You put your head down. You put one foot in front of the other. He went from his lowest point, $1 left, pulled the heel off his boot, to number one. It's never too late, man. So many people I know when it's hard, when they're in the middle, when they're in that stall point and the darkness is the greatest and they feel so alone and they're like, it's too dark, man. It's too dark. I don't know if I can go on. Guys, it is at this point as a leader, as a point man for your own life, you've got to be the light in the darkness. Emanate that light from yourself. Light your own path. Get out there. Never lose belief and stay that course. You have a goal. You have a dream. You have a mission. Don't let some adversity knock you off path. Drive forward just like Kenny did. You've got to believe in yourself. Even when you don't believe in yourself. Guys, you know, a lot of people I think think, oh, Jay, you're so confident in all this. Dude, I have so many doubts. My whole life I've had so many doubts, you know. People had told me I was too small to be a SEAL. People told me, you know, I couldn't do this, that I wouldn't be successful writing a book, that I wouldn't everything. My whole life, I've been told, you know, you're not going to do this. You're too small, whatever it is. And even though I had those doubts, I believed in myself, even when I didn't believe in myself. And that's what makes the difference. Keep pushing that I believe button and driving forward one foot in front of the other. You know, you just got to do it. Sometimes, Kenny talked about this. Sometimes we all think that, um, that, that if we keep grinding, it's going to happen right now. And sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes you just have to have patience. You have to have patience. You have to have belief. You have to believe in yourself, but you have to have patience and wait for that storm to subside. You do what you can, you control what you can, and you keep grinding forward, knowing that you're still on course, knowing that somewhere out there beyond the darkness, outside the storm, the sun still shines and your goal is out there. Keep grinding, man. All right. I want to close with this. Kenny's word, his amazing word that defined who big Kenny is. And I love it, man, because it defines who he is. It was heart, heart. And I tell you what, that guy has a huge heart. And when I think about heart, heart equals passion, man, Kenny had passion for his music. He had passion for life. He had passion to get out there and make things happen. Even when others didn't think it could happen, he stayed true to who he was. He had passion to keep driving forward and be relentless in what he did. I love that man. His heart was so big that it enabled him to just find success again and again through so many so many incredible songs, through the music, music mafia, changing the face of Nashville music through his passion to give back, um, to, to help in other areas of the world in Africa, and his heart to continue to do great things now. Guys, have heart, have passion. It will make the difference. Stay the course. Even though you may be doubting yourself, just push the I believe button. You will make it. It may not happen when you think it's going to, but with heart and passion, I guarantee you will get further along than you ever thought was possible. So, woo! all right, guys, this is Moving the Needle. Huge shout out to our sponsor, uh, to our sponsor, Bubs Naturals. They make amazing collagen protein, MCT oil, all the things that you need to take care of yourself. Our physical leadership is such an important part 
I would not have the energy I have if it wasn't for their products, if it wasn't for taking care of myself. Guys, if you like this show, please promote it, tell your friends, share it. Go on, uh, go on social media. Follow me at Jason Redmond WW. Uh, go on iTunes and make sure you click that little subscribe button and make sure you give us a review. Say, oh my God, the Big Kenny interview was so amazing. I love that guy's story. So did I. So subscribe, write a five-star review, share it with your friends, tell people about it. I'm Jason Redmond. This is Moving the Needle and I am out.